Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 3rd, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, You is Kind, You is Smart, You is Important. I love a good book. I love it when a good book is turned into a good movie. But no matter how good the movie is, it's never as good as the book. But the help came close. It's the story of leftover slavery, segregation, racism, and white privilege. And whenever I read about or see depictions of this part of our past, I am dumbfounded that this is our story. The maids, the help, raise the children of their employers. And in what has become one of the signature scenes of this movie, we catch a glimpse of the help teaching a bit of Psalm 17 to a little girl. Now, she didn't know that was what she was doing, but it was. As she rocks the little girl to sleep, getting her ready for her nap, She looks the child square in the eye and says as tenderly as she can, You is kind. You is smart. You is important. And in those three grammatically incorrect sentences, the help begins to give the child words so that she will one day be able to make a defense for herself. Now the psalmist may be a bit more eloquent, a bit more wordy, a bit more detailed, and a bit more poetic. But the message is just about the same as we heard from this book-turned-movie. As a matter of fact, This psalm, as I mentioned, is written in that same style of legal defense as we find in the book of Job as he makes his own case for his innocence and his righteousness. It's not a profession of perfection or sinlessness, but rather a personal defense of his own integrity. Psalm 17 is a prayer for help that contains, near the beginning, a confession of innocence. And it concludes with a striking expression of trust. Here the psalmist, just like Job, trusts God with the truth. The psalmist trusts that God knows his heart. The psalmist trusts God's justice. And so he understands that he can be completely honest with God. He can share his very heart with God and knows that God will know the truth of his innocence and the truth of his goodness and the truth of his righteousness. I think we've gotten pretty good at confessing our sin. We've gotten pretty good at our admission of shortcomings, the naming of our brokenness, the acknowledgement of our failures, the declaration of our wrongdoing, 
We are good at recognizing our transgressions. We can beat ourselves up with the best of them. And if we can't do it for ourselves, we likely know someone that can do it for us. Don't you know those people who always see the negative in another? Those are the kind of folks that can find fault with Mother Teresa. We are often not as good at giving a public defense for all that is right and good and true and loving and kind and smart and important in us. And that is a prayer we must learn to pray. If you are good at tearing yourself down, this psalm is a reminder that you should also be good at building yourself up. You might be the only person that ever does it for you. It's a shame that the church, the church, but even our church often focuses on how we fall short over how we get it right. We often spend more time and energy recognizing our failings instead of celebrating all the goodness within us and around us. But the church has never been good at celebrating. There's always more to be done. There's always something left undone. There's always souls to save and people to help and stomachs to feed and houses to build and tears to wipe. We never feel successful because the work of gospel living is never finished. We like to check things off our lists. And the work of the people of God never gets checked off. And because there's always more to do, I'm afraid we never stop and take an accounting of all the goodness of which we are a part. To name all of that goodness feels a bit braggadocious and egocentric and boastful and arrogant. But don't you just yearn for a childlike understanding of well, come to think of it, I do everything well. I mean, that is awesome. Why do we kill that in our children? Psalm 17 gives us permission to make an accounting for our own integrity and our own goodness. It's not just you is kind and you is smart and you is important. It's, I am kind. I am. I, I am smart. I may not have always applied myself as well as I could have, but see, that's what we do. We instantly start making problems out of our strength. I am important. Perhaps I'm still reeling from a week of youth camp, week before last, but I particularly think about 
young people and how they see themselves. Even the most confident among them have these horrible negative tapes that they play in their minds and in their hearts about how they're not good enough or pretty enough or skinny enough or smart enough or talented enough or musical enough or funny enough or athletic enough or you name it and it's never enough. I think adults feel the same way. It's just that some of us mask it better. Can you give an accounting for the goodness that lives in you? I know you can name your weaknesses. I can name some of them for you. But I can also name your strengths. Can you make a defense for yourself? Can you defend your life? Can you defend your thoughts, your actions, your decisions, your very heart? I can't help but wonder if we started considering all the goodness that lives within us, if we wouldn't start living more out of that acknowledged goodness. What if the tape we played in our mind was a public defense of our integrity? What if the tape we played was a public defense of our kindness, our graciousness? What if we were to give a defense of our self-control, our honor, our morality, our character? What if we lived out of our strengths instead of being consumed by our failings? I'm not big on Joel Osteen. He's just so happy. <laughs> he smiles too much. Have I been too critical? <laughs> Maybe he's on to something and I'm the one that can't be satisfied. Because I do hate those TV preachers that berate and yell and preach hellfire and brimstone and guilt you into heaven sermons. And I do hate those TV preachers who are just trying to get you for a dollar or two. As much as I wish that Osteen would go deeper and challenge more, at least he preaches a positive word and seems to look for the goodness in the world instead of the darkness. With a 24-hour news cycle, most of it bad or scary, we come to believe this about ourselves. That we are bad and scary and surrounded by nothing but bad and scary. We've come to believe that we can't trust most people. They will scam you. They will steal from you. They will attack you. They will take your identity. They will tell lies about you. They will cheat on you. And they are in a word, out to get you. We live our lives assuming the worst about folks when in truth, most folks are loving and giving and kind and smart and important. 
I'd pay big bucks to the TV station who would play a 24-hour news show about the good news and the good deeds and the common everyday stories of how wonderful most folks really are. You know, the folks that decide to trust even the stranger that is begging from you in the gas station. You know all those good folks that decide to give themselves away for the sake of another. You know, all those good folks who are generous beyond measure, beyond their own means. I want to see some 24-hour coverage of folks whose hearts are almost too big for their own good. The folks who are compassionate. You know, the folks who are kind and smart. Because those are the people that are important and should be making the headlines. And they are you. Sometimes they're even me. But the church, unfortunately, has squashed this. The church, unfortunately, was born and raised on guilt. Now, nobody loves guilt more than a mother. <laughs> guilt is a great motivator. But I don't think it's very godly. You don't have to be a Calvinist to know that the church's beginning was formed out of a guilt-ridden theology that morphed its way through the trials and tribulations of doctrinal teachings that began with this phrase, total depravity, which simply means we are totally sinful creatures. If that is the starting point for most evangelical Christianity, it is no wonder that we have a hard time making a public defense for our goodness, our integrity, our sense of worth. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. We are so captivated by guilt. It is built into our southern Christian dogma. We cannot escape it unless we learn to pray with the psalmist. A public defense of our own goodness. We don't need to be apologetic that we have a kind and compassionate spirit. We don't need to be ashamed of our generosity. We don't need to hide our goodness. The culminating act of creation was humanity. And God didn't just call us good like every other piece of creation. God called us very good. 
Why can't we see it for ourselves and in one another? Every single week, we call on you to take an inventory of your lives and confess all the ways that you have fallen short, all the ways that you have failed, all the ways that you have sinned. Perhaps the psalm this week is a reminder that we need to be taking a moment of silence each week to inventory our own righteousness. God, you know I have tried to do what is right and good and just and true. I recycled. I washed the clothes only in cold water, except for the towels who do need to be washed in hot. <laughs> I handed a granola bar out the window of my car to the guy that was asking for help. I made a phone call. I sent a card. Now, you know what you're doing this whole time. You're thinking of all the people you didn't call that you should have and all the cards that you didn't write that you meant to. But just for a moment, can you celebrate the call and the card? I signed my name to a lawsuit in order to speak out for those who should be treated as loving, caring people who deserve all the goodness of life and love and happiness. I've given my whole self to my children seeing that my job as mother is important to the whole world. I've listened to young people share their fears, and I cried with them, and I hugged them, and I assured them that they were going to be okay even on the days when they don't think they're going to be okay. I've sat bedside as folks took their last breath, and I cried with their family. I really care that other people are happy. It's a high value for me that you're happy. I speak words of blessing in holy moments. Believe me, I could go on and on and on with all the ways I have not lived up to who I was created to be. This inventory of goodness, this public defense for my own integrity is hard, but it is a needed prayer from each one of us in a world full of scary things and people that often do bad things. In the movie, in one of the more tender moments, just as the help is preparing to leave the child for good, she repeats her Psalm 17 mantra to the child. And by this point in the child's life, she's heard it enough that she has it memorized and she repeats it slowly along with the help. Just as the maid starts to gather her up in her lap, she looks at the child and she says, is and the child says you is kind and the maid says you is and the child says you is 
And the maid says, you is, and they say together, I wonder if the maid taught it to the little girl so she could hear it for herself. All of her life she had been put down, belittled, denigrated, spat upon, alienated, hated, degraded, and humiliated. If she didn't give a defense for herself, who would? She taught the child to say it. Maybe so that she could claim for herself that she was kind, she was smart, she was important. And so am I. And so are you. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.